0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through to Bible teaching program of Pastor Darryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job's third friend Zophar tells him to put away his iniquity, but what does he really know about Job? This is a good lesson in what not to say to the one who suffers. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 11 on Simply the Bible. Have you ever felt so sure you
0: were right, only to discover later that you were dead wrong? This is the plight of Job's three friends. They were so convinced that they were right and Job was wrong. After all, look how Job was suffering while they were prospering. But their conclusion that Job was suffering because of his sin led to their own arrogance. And in their arrogance, they felt it was their place to counsel Job. Now, we could be left to wonder whether their counsel was good or bad. Much of it sounds wise at face value. But at the end of the book, we read, The Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now, Eliphaz and his two friends gave Job much counsel. God didn't correct them on the counsel they gave to Job, but on the wrong things they said about him. Now, we have all known people who have quickly dished out advice to others, thinking that they know best. The scary thing is that I have been one of those people. But you know, I haven't always been right. And the really scary thing is when someone says things about God that's not right. The truth is God's ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. And we must be very, very careful when we presume to speak about Him. It would be easy for us to point the finger at Job's three friends and ridicule them for their highbrow insensitivity and lack of genuine compassion for their suffering friend. But don't we all know people in the church who have been like that? And haven't we on occasion been one of them? The Jewish Talmud says, "...the deeper the sorrow, the less tongue it has." And James tells us, Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. You know what? I've never met a perfect person. Have you? We continue in Job chapter 11. Then Zophar the Naamathite answered and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered, and should a man full of talk be vindicated? Should your empty talk make men hold their peace, and when you mock, should no one rebuke you? For you have said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in your eyes. Now it is thought that Zophar was the youngest of the three friends, because he's the last to speak, and that would be culturally appropriate. And Zophar just can't stand what Job has said. He said, shouldn't your words be answered? And I'm going to be the one to tell you and to set you straight. Your talk is empty. And are you going to make us hold our peace? You see, he accuses Job of saying wrong things. And of course, the things that Job said that he did say some things that weren't right about God. But Zophar was wrong in what he accuses Job of saying. He says that Job said, my doctrine is pure. Job never said that. In fact, what Job did say was, he said, my words have been rash, for the arrows of the Almighty are within me. He was saying, look, I'm speaking out of the bitterness of my heart here because of everything that's happened. Zophar also accused Job of saying, I am clean in your eyes. That would mean that Job was saying he was sinless. Job never said that. He did say he was blameless, which meant that he had integrity. He was the same on the inside as he was on the outside. And God would say the same thing of Job. Where Job did go wrong is that he said that God destroys the blameless and the wicked. And he laughs at the plight of the innocent, which that's not true. God does treat the blameless and the wicked differently. It's just Job wasn't waiting long enough to see it. And there's no indication that God laughs when innocent people suffer. Zophar continues, But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you, that he would show you the secrets of wisdom, for they would double your prudence. So Zophar takes it now upon himself to tell God what he should say to Job. Warren Wearsby says, beware of asking God to tell others what they need to know, unless you are willing for him to show you what you need to know. And yet, haven't we done that? Haven't we sought to advise God on how he should handle situations and what he should say to people? When God did open his lips, actually, he would rebuke Zophar. Zophar sounds so wise and he speaks about the secrets of wisdom. He sounds like one who has the inside track on God. He arrogantly assumes that if God would reveal to Job the secrets that he knows, then it would double Job's prudence. But Zophar's assumption of his own wisdom was not prudent. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. Then Zophar says something so cruel toward his suffering friend that we can hardly believe he said it. Know therefore that God exacts from you less than your iniquity deserves. Excuse me? Have you not been paying attention, Zophar? Don't you see everything that's happened to Job? That he lost all of his material goods? He lost his servants, all of his kids. He's suffering from head to toe with boils. And you're saying that this is less than he deserves? The last I checked, God has not quit his job as judge and handed it over to you, So far, Who are you to say what Job deserves? And yet, the sad truth is, we all make such judgments about people. If we don't actually say it, we think it. Once again, I'd like to quote James There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Sadly, I'm afraid there's a little bit of Pharisee in each of us. We feel comfortable sitting in the judge's seat, whether or not we've been asked to be there. Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than heaven. What can you do deeper than Sheol? What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Zophar felt it was his job to lay out the full measure of God's wisdom to Job. He was the teacher. He knew the height, the depth, width, and length of God's wisdom. And if Job acted today, he could learn from Zophar. Have you ever known people who are so eager to share with you all that they know? In fact, there were full dimensions that it would have been wise for Zophar to share with his friend. It is the full measure of God's love. The Apostle Paul longed to impart this to the Ephesians, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, suffering people don't need to know how much we know. They don't need a doctrinal thesis on human suffering, but they do need to know how much God loves them. If Zophar could have conveyed this to Job, then he would have been truly wise and a good friend. Verse 10, if he passes by, imprisons, and gathers to judgment, then who can hinder him? For he knows deceitful men. He sees wickedness also. Will he not then consider it? Now, who is Zophar referring to? Who is it that God has imprisoned and gathered to judgment? Obviously, he is implying that God has put Job in a prison house of suffering where he is awaiting final judgment. It's like Zophar is saying, God knows your deceitfulness, Job. He sees the wickedness you're hiding from the rest of us. He knows the truth about you. For an empty-headed man will be wise When a wild donkey's colt is born a man. Finally, Zophar insinuates that Job is an empty headed man. I find that interesting because of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount whoever says, you cursed fool, you empty headed idiot, shall be liable to and unable to escape the hell, Gehenna of fire. In reality, the one in danger of being gathered to judgment was Zophar, not Job. There again, it is so easy for us to look at our neighbor's bad circumstances and assume that he is suffering because of his evil or stupidity. But it wasn't true of Job, and it may not be true of our neighbor. May God help us to love rather than to judge. If you would prepare your heart and stretch out your hands toward him, if iniquity were in your hand and you put it far away and would not let wickedness dwell in your tents, then surely you could lift up your face without spot. Yes, you could be steadfast and not fear. Now, you know, these words are actually good words. If they were placed in a different context, if they were spoken to somebody who was stranded in sin, It's really the gospel. This is how you can set your life aright. You see, you can prepare your heart literally means to turn your heart, stretch out your hands toward God, put away your iniquity, get rid of your idols, and then you would have confidence before God. He would forgive you and you would have no fear. Because you would forget your misery and remember it as waters that have passed away and your life would be brighter than the noonday. Though you were dark, you would be like the morning and you would be secure because there is hope. Yes, you would dig around you and take your rest in safety. You would also lie down and no one would make you afraid. Yes, many would court your favor. Again, these are good words. It's the gospel. Look, if you would turn your life to God, then all of your misery would be like water under the bridge. You won't remember it. Your brightness will return. Your countenance will lift up. You will have eternal security and rest in the Lord. And God will give you favor with him and with men. All of these things are true of the gospel. It reminds me of what we read in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation Old things have passed away, the past is gone, the misery you don't remember anymore. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new person in Christ, you have everlasting security in Him, and that's what God does for those who trust in Jesus Christ. But, of course, it didn't fit in this situation, because Job wasn't in this situation because of his sins. And even so, it would have been okay if Zophar ended right here, but look how he finishes it. But the eyes of the wicked will fail, and they shall not escape, and their hope loss of life. Zophar gives Job the ultimatum. Either admit how wicked you've been and turn to God, or else you will perish without hope. Now, is this the sort of friend you want around you when you're innocently suffering? I don't think so. Honestly, this study of the book of Job causes me to think more before I speak. A little knowledge can be dangerous. And we can think we're absolutely right, but our delivery is absolutely wrong, or our timing is off. May God help us not to fall into the Zophar
1: syndrome. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Next time we'll see where Job finally uses sarcasm against his three friends. They mock Job, but he knows what they know. It turns out they are worthless physicians. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.